Spectator, a show where an expert and a casual movie fan watch movies in the cinematic canon. Today's film is The Fablemans, directed by Steven Spielberg, starring Gabriel LaBelle. I always read it as Gabrielle, but it's not. It's Gabriel. <laughs> and up. Michelle Williams. My name is Cameron Tuttle, and I'm joined with Isaac Ransom and Juzo today. How are you? How Isaac, let's start with you. How are you doing? I'm good. You know, I don't even want to, I don't even want to, like, trash on you Cameron I've tried to intro the show and read something and I always <laughs> fumble every single name so I'm not gonna hate overall I'm good it's a busy Monday um but yeah doing doing well how about you Juzo what's on what's going on in your life I'm doing all right I'm, I'm down in the Royal Grande which means I have not been outside of a house in like two, two weeks but that's okay I'm doing a lot of editing and um watching a decent amount of movies um but trying to uh you know work on a little stuff in the run-up to the oscars but we'll we'll see if that pans out because historically it has not um not to mention this the fact the oscars are going to be absolutely miserable this year um in every way (laughs) possible but we don't need to linger on that i just i just want to say this is like kind of a chaotic start to the show and right before this (laughs) I accidentally pulled a shot of espresso without like a piece in place. So like it was just like hot water spewing all over my counter. So I just feel very, you know, jumbled. I mean, do you think we should restart the show? Like what's no, happening? Here, no, 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 no. This is a one way train. Okay. Just like Juliana, in the, just like, like in the great, you? the greatest show. Okay. <laughs> Juliana was like, are you okay? Are you like losing your mind or something? Because of the hot water. Is going on. I'm like, I don't know what to do. And it's just like spraying hot water all over the counter oh man um yeah wow leave it up to me to fail at an espresso machine so i didn't even know that was difficult but um (laughs) i guess we should get into what we've been watching outside of the movie we're gonna review cameron um man i haven't been watching anything but uh i'm gonna pass it on to juzo because i don't want to linger on the fact that i really haven't been watching anything uh yeah so uh, take it away, Juzo. Okay. I mean, I'm not going to go through everything I've seen in the last week um, because it's a decent amount. But actually, though, I will I will shout out Magic Mike's Last Dance just because it's. I think it's still in theaters. And if you don't go see it, you're really missing out because I had a fun time. And I, I'm baffled by the bad reviews. Um, I also I also re- recently rewatched uh, Saving Private Ryan, which is great. Um, I think I mentioned that to you guys. And um, But the one thing I really wanted to talk about was I watched this movie, um, and this is this is I, this I'm not plugging this, you know, just because I met the person who was in the movie. Uh, I I genuinely just thought this is a really good movie, and I I saw it because I met the person. In fact, I met the this this girl named Sarah Hansen at Isaac's wedding, who told uh, told me she was in this movie called Everybody Dance, which is about this program called Ballet for All Kids. It's a documentary about. Um, this teacher and this school that kind of centers around uh, ballet dance for people with uh, either disabilities or like neuro atypicalities. And I just thought this was a really good documentary. And I say that as a person who's really kind of honestly fallen out of love with the documentary form in the last few years. I feel like it's just like a real slew of mediocrity. And this was just this simple like 85 minute really beautifully made movie that gives you a, really a sense of who all these people are and um, their different experiences and and also about just the process of um, 
what it is to helm that kind of program and and um, sort of get a, a glimpse into um, just the day to day work of putting on a show. Um, and yeah, it's just uh, quite a touching, uh, lovely movie that, that I was glad I saw. And I just thought I should mention it because I think I was the first or second person who logged it on Letterboxd. So, I mean, this movie that no one no one on earth seemingly has seen. Um, so I, I thought I should uh, recommend it. And, and in a way, oddly, I found it a little bit, it made me think of the Fablemans because of just that idea of um, art being something that can't, change your circumstances but it can have an impact and can improve them in some ways and and have an impact on your lives um lives of a young person um so um anyway just wanted to shout that movie out everybody dance yeah no i'd love to i love promoting smaller movies or movies that people haven't seen that are especially um you know well if hey if juzo approves of it I would say that's a pretty high bar. I'm just going to put that out there. <laughs> I haven't seen it. Um, I'm not usually drawn to many documentaries, although that has been changing lately, so I'll probably have to um, check it out myself. But that's crazy you ended up meeting her. I didn't even know she was in a movie. Cameron, did you know that? <laughs> yeah, we talked about it at the wedding, actually. Oh, okay. All right, cool. No, that's, yeah, She didn't that's... even really promote... Yeah, she didn't even promote it like herself. It was just someone else mentioned it. She was almost kind of embarrassed because we were just talking about whatever. And she's it, she happened to be the person I was sitting next to at the, um, you know, uh, d- at the dinner. And mm, uh, mm. yeah, so it, it just sort of came up. And, you know, she's sort of one of of five or six students who are profiled in the movie. Um, yeah. But yeah, solid, really solid movie and uh, would recommend. And Sarah is actually like one of the kindest people I think I've ever met too. So she, she is like, like super, cool super sweet. Yeah. So, um, yeah, no, I appreciate you shouting that out and, um, haven't seen it. So I don't know what I think of it in any regard, but I just want to say again, Juzo's opinion, we're not sponsored or anything. <laughs> it's just, it's just, it happened to be, happened to be a crazy happenstance that, um, she was, she was in that and stuff. So if you're interested in something like that, do you know where you can watch it, Juzo? Because I don't. It seems it seems like you can just rent it on all the usual, you know, Amazon. I watched it on Amazon for like two dollars. Okay. All right. Um, probably YouTube, iTunes. Um, yeah, just yeah. Cool. Great. I haven't been watching too much this week. In you know, I just um, just continuing Last of Us. Um, not much to say. I feel less and less excited about the show as it goes on, but that's because I've probably played the game. I think it's still pretty good, and Jules is enjoying it uh, still. So um, I'm assuming that's just going to keep on going. I don't really have much more to add to the conversation around that yet, and we'll probably maybe do a recap once the season's over or something um, because Cameron and I both enjoy it. I kind of wanted to ask you, though, Juzo, have you had any interest to watch the show? Have you spent any time with it? Because I know... Um, video game, video games are always a fun topic to discuss with you. Juzo, so, well, I, 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 I don't know really much about video games. I've, I've played like three in my life and, uh, I haven't played the last of us. I'm definitely interested to see it. Um, just because it's, I don't know. I, I'm, when there's something really big, whether it's a movie or TV show, I tend to be interested. It seems like people like it. It seems like you guys, you, you guys have been liking it. I, I haven't listened to your recent episodes. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I probably will check it out. I just kind of usually wait for TV stuff to be all out so I can just watch it all kind of at once. Um, 
though honestly i don't really i i don't really watch a lot of tv i don't know how there's like these years where i would watch you know 10 or 12 seasons of television i mean i just last year i think the only thing i watched was the bear and that was only because my parents entrapped me into watching it which i was glad for because it was one of the best things i saw last year but um i don't i don't know if i'll get around to watching the last of us but i mean i'm i'm interested um is it pedro pascal yeah um i would be interested to have you play it and then watch it or vice versa if that makes sense um Mm. because i think from from your sort of uh uh video game virgin eyes i think it would be actually a good a good conversation to to talk about like does it make sense more as a tv show or as a game what are the things that that work uh better as a game because i Mm -hmm. i've been thinking about that a little bit myself in that the uh, the game is specifically paced and and has certain things that are very video game like, but actually kind of sometimes help the the story flow in a certain way and and are kind of surprising for a video game to do um, and are unique because you're you're playing as the characters and you get this kind of special connection to them. You know, the journey is much more of a a journey in the in the real sense that you're kind of gaining your your skill level a little bit and you're kind of uh going along with these characters but but also there are things that are um game like in the game obviously where you're you know you're checking on on certain stats and things and you're like you got to upgrade your 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 gun and you know sometimes you get you get pulled up by your feet and you got to shoot things and st- you know and mm-hmm. it's like there are game elements to it um, that I think, I don't know. Do they hold back the story, or do they elevate the story? So I'm curious to see what you, uh, what you would think about it. And I would be, I would highly recommend that you play the game because, um, I don't know. I think you'd have a good perspective as someone who doesn't play that many games and kind of mm-hmm. can look at it objectively. I guess. I guess I'd probably watch the show first just to be. I don't know, just get a kind of a cold opinion of it. And also since I'll probably be one of the only people, I feel like most people play the game before they watch the show. So it'll be interesting I don't to see think the so, difference. But oh, you don't think so? Oh, I mean, I guess nah. a lot of people don't play video games. But, yeah. it, you know, be, in contrast to you guys at least, to see like what is the difference between w- which one you experience first. And I think in general, it's the same with books. You usually just want to probably want to experience the one you're more interested in first because that's going to be the more sort of pure experience um but i don't know i i i'm interested in the game i i do know the game i think just because of the music i remember you when i think it was when we were living together you introduced me to that uh, gustavo santalala uh, score yeah. which is uh, really beautiful uh i'm not sure do they still, pull that still out on the, the show in the show oh yes nice, nice. yeah yes. cool. still yeah. on the show yeah um thank goodness to you because i i can't imagine the show not having that music like it would i feel like it would separate the experience so much from what it what it is you know Mm -hmm. i have been playing part one side by side with the show and that that's the ps5 remake there is like a much more visceral violence in your face that they don't show on like the tv like episodes and it's it's hbo so i was kind of surprised i think the the violence is more um terrifying in the show whereas in the game you feel 
more guilty like because you're participating in it there's like a different emotion that comes forward um i actually noticed when i was playing it and jules was watching she was like like the, the i think one of the worst parts of the game is when you like stealth kill somebody and you like strangle them um yeah. but like you gotta like hold it for a while and like the sound design of like the guy's last breaths coming out is just <laughs> horrific like it is like really and you're doing it right Mm -hmm. and so even jules when she heard that when i was playing it she was like dude like what is this like what are you i'm like oh you know i'm just playing the tv show you know on the (laughs) on the game though and she was like yikes that is like like horrifying right so there is definitely um i would say different emotions that kind of come forward Although the, the the core material of the show and the game, I think, are consistent, um, which is rare between both mediums. Um, but we are not going to linger very much longer. I think we have a, a large conversation ahead of us with the Fablemans, especially because we have a third voice on the show. This is Cinema Spectator. If you appreciate the show, if you like the show, if you want to support it, you can throw us a couple dollars on Patreon at patreon.com slash Productions. Get some benefits, have your questions read on the show, especially because no one DMs us. So you can definitely have your questions read. Um, If you're a patron, don't forget to DM and write in so you can have something read. Uh, And if you don't have a few dollars, it's all good. We totally get it. We appreciate you being here. Sharing the show helps. Giving the show a rating or, you know, just telling a friend about it. All that stuff helps our small production grow. We thank you for your time. We thank you for putting up with our antics and... I'm I'm excited to get into our conversation about Fablemans. Cameron, give us some context, and then we'll get into it. Yeah, so I guess continuing some of our discussion about Spielberg and kind of we were talking about him last week as as sort of a foil to Tar in some ways. Um, but uh, you know this this movie is a um, I would say mostly autobiographical. Uh, retelling of Spielberg's childhood growing up in um, in Arizona and in Northern California, actually, in very close to where we are. Um, and sort of his his starting journey as a filmmaker um, and, you know, learning from a very young age how to use his his dad's camera and then growing up with that that alongside of him. So it is a very uh, personal film to Spielberg. You can definitely tell Um, it's one that I think, you know, during the production, they they've talked about how they would ask him like, Oh, did this scene really happen? And like all of the time he would say yes, (laughs) because you know, Mm -hmm. this was all based on, on his real life. They had a, a lot of instruction actually based on his, his old films, um, that they you know took out of out of the closet and rewatched and had access to and and the the cin- cinematographer sort of recreated some of those those very early Spielberg pictures um, which is interesting and so it goes through you know his his early adolescence up until his kind of um, you know his his first sort of not uh, not even his his work in hollywood but just kind of the the very edge 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 breaking into um you know what he ends up doing and and it's kind of kind of his his coming of age uh growing up film about about movies but also about um life and and about passion art and kind of how things break uh you know break into family and uh 
and your what you're passionate about and sort of his own dealings with that in in his early life and um I guess just another piece of context is this movie came out to basically zero hype and appeal, I guess, and and pretty much bombed at the box office and was like only there for for you know a couple of weeks. Didn't really make a splash at all, um, but it is being heavily praised and and it has a lot of um, you know Oscar buzz. I think it's not going to win Best Picture. I don't, in my opinion, but um, it is so. going to. Uh, <laughs> Uh, it's probably going to win like, uh, best adapted or, you know, something like that. So, um, uh. I, th- I think, you know, <laughs> it has seven, I think it has seven nominations. Um, yes. so, you know, it's, it's doing well and it was a critical darling, uh, but really as far as audiences go, I think they probably could care less, uh, which is unfortunate because I think this, <laughs> this movie really is, is something special, um, and yeah, I just wanted to throw that out there as basically being um like an unknown Spielberg movie. <laughs> Even like yeah, it's kind of, a couple th- months after is, its release. Yeah, which is tough because I mean West Side Story also kind of underperformed. I think this is probably did yeah. worse than that. Um but probably. I think all the all the movies he made previously even stuff like Bridge of Spies in the Post, those were movies that made, you know, over a hundred million, I think. You know, they they definitely were were box office successes. So it's definitely, I think, signaling a little bit of a different uh time in uh theatrical distribution in terms of what people are interested in going to see. Though on the other hand, there's a weird aspect of you know, um, a man called Otto with Tom Hanks is making a hundred million dollars or eighty for Brady. So I'm not exactly <laughs> sure what's going on there, right. or, or I, I doubt anyone in Hollywood even really could put their finger on it. But um, well, I'll just say yeah. as of now, um, estimated forty million budget, um, gross worldwide thirty one million. So definitely a bomb. And a, yes. and a kind of a kind of a big lot like it would be a, a it would be a bomb if this made like 50 million dollars. Um, but being a loss is probably even worse than being a bomb <laughs> in this case. I mean, um, and it's, but it's Spielberg. Like, it... It, I was I was just going to say Spielberg is who he is. He can literally make whatever he wants at this point. Uh, but not not so good to have two bombs in a row. Just putting it out there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not ideal. Uh, I I don't know. I I'm curious. I want to ask you guys. If I mean, I'm, I apologize for not being up to speed on the show, but I was just curious about what, um, how Spielberg came up last week in connection to Tar, and what uh, j- just if briefly we could touch on what that was about. Yeah, we were talking about how. Um, uh, well, I don't want to open a a big can of worms that we did last week, but we we were we were pretty much talking about how um, Tar is kind of a movie uh, that is an insider's movie in a lot of ways, and it has a lot of of kind of um, humorous elements, uh, but that aren't really apparent to to like a modern or to most audiences, I guess. You kind of it's 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 a little bit of an inside movie, and it really does have uh, kind of an alienating presence and and Isaac was was comparing it to you know to Spielberg how he loves how Spielberg is is very audience focused first um and what mm. he's doing is to uh is to kind of 
intrigue and excite and entertain. And alongside that, he brings kind of the 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 more the deeper appeal of someone, um, you know, of an artist. And and he he sneaks in, and it's not really a sneak. I mean, he does it intentionally, obviously. But he he's able to kind of um, entertain first and and also be meaningful at the same time which is difficult for other artists. And we were talking about that with the, with the context of Tar being um, not very entertainment focused <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. in that mm-hmm. way. Well, yeah, I don't want to, so yeah, yeah, we shouldn't get into a, a, a Tar side tangent because there's some degree I understand that it's quite alienating, but it's, uh, I, I don't know if I would say it's completely unappealing to just a regular viewer. Um, but but to to connect it back to Spielberg, I think, um, one of the interesting things about the Fablemans is that I feel like this kind of is his most, um, the movie he's done that has he's least concerned about the audience in some ways, like least concerned with entertaining people, um, which is interesting because it seems like he can't help himself but entertain people because every person I've talked to, other than Mick LaSalle, who hated the movie and has gone on this like crusade against it for baffling reasons, <laughs> um, is... Every, almost everyone else I've talked to has enjoyed the movie. And, you know, I, when I saw it, what my feeling was, was I'm going to like this movie. I'm going to like a movie about a kid making movies and, you know, Steven Spielberg and, uh, you know, his childhood and all this very personal stuff. And and also I like a coming of age movie and a kind of hangout movie that the movie that kind of has. But, you know, people who are not didn't make movies as kids I've talked to seem to really enjoy it. Um but it is interesting how it's a little bit less structured or a little bit less. Um, it doesn't have that kind of like breakneck uh, pace and kind of, you know, like the post is just this drama, for example, uh, about, you know, journalism, people people talking in rooms. But he has this like intensity of um, like a thriller, like a Bourne movie or something when you watch it. And this movie is definitely dialed back a little bit, um, but it. I don't know. It, it's it's com- it's compelling nonetheless, and I'm curious to talk to uh, you and and Isaac uh, about like what what for you is compelling about it because I it, it can't help but be compelling to me in some ways just because of the nature of the story he's telling. Yeah, and I think that's why we really wanted to invite you on the show, Juzo, just because we know you're such a huge Spielberg fan, right? So, I think I think my viewing experience with this movie was just like very positive, especially after tar. I love what you said, Cameron audience first, right? That, I mean, I know we're obviously not coining that term, but um, I couldn't describe a better phrase for what I want to see in a movie. Most of the time, Um, like, because I think that can be applied to movies that aren't necessarily enjoyable at all times, but like if it still serves the audience, like, you, it can be worth it, you know? And I think Spielberg is is the one to do it the best, right? Um, so for me, watching this movie um, on paper, it sounds like one of the worst, boringest movies ever. Like, I don't... <laughs> I really do think the write-up for the film is, like, is probably half the reason nobody saw this. First of all, it should have been called Spielberg. That I, I Like, I don't know why it wasn't called that. It was probably some stupid decision where uh, Spielberg was like, no, we're going to call it some magical la-la name because, you know, 
because it, I'm trying to make something special, which he did. I, well, but, I, but, I think but, the reason for I think if, with that that's just a, because people would accuse you, him of being even more self indulgent than people <laughs> like Mick accuse him of being if he made a movie about a guy named Steven Spielberg. I, that's just kind of an unwritten rule of autobiographical movies. You'll notice every yeah. autobiographical movie they rename. The, literally the only movie I can think of where they don't do this is Super Bad. Super Bad, they call the characters <laughs> Seth and Evan. And other than that, I don't know of a single movie where they use the real names. I don't know why. Yeah, I don't know. So anyway. I just feel like in terms of marketing, like that would have sold the movie much quicker um, than Fableman's. Like, um, Maybe. Like, I think it just didn't translate super well. And also the write-up, even if you aren't like or even if you like let's say you go as far as to like read about what the movie's about because you don't know right or you want to see something about it like i feel like most people are like okay i don't know if i want to watch like something like that it sounds a little drab right or it just sounds boring i think that's the best way of putting it and i think this movie is um Far from that, I think it 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 carries like a lot of classic um, bits of. I mean, I think I think you guys are right. Like coming of age um, movies, right, and what what that what that has and the fun with it, alongside like kind of um, enjoying early representations of Spielberg's work and how that is inspired. You know, some of the most famous movies that we know him for now, right? Like kind of the it's it's almost like you get to watch like these little moments of of like um, little moments of like a kid dreaming for something bigger and it's enjoyable to watch on screen. Right. Um, whether it's the Western scene or the um, like the World War Two fight movie, like the creation of those scenes and and then watching the audience like watch it and watching um you know, uh, Sam, I guess his name is Sam in the movie, right? <laughs> Watching Sam's reaction to, uh, the film and like how it's like clearly inspiring him. Like, I feel like there's draw in witnessing those little movies and then you get like the fun family dynamic with also the underlying drama, which, um, I think is pretty, pretty easy to be like drawn in by, and then they a little bit later in the movie they introduce like um sort of the high school experience, which I think was a really good way to like freshen up um the pace of the movie. And that gets you invested in sort of like this teen um like coming of age thing even more fully, but it's like it's bringing in new elements like love interests and bullying and stuff like that. And you're kind of like, I don't know, like I'm having fun watching this. And then it all kind of wraps up while um, exploring like different th themes or things that Spielberg wants to say out loud in his older age. And I really don't feel like I saw anything there that um, was egregious. I just kind of watched it and I was like, I was entertained and I was happy, you know, and, and um, I had a lot of moments in this movie where I was um, like, just kind of like verbally enjoying the movie, uh, whether it's, kind of the Robert Ford interaction towards the end, even Juliana, like laughing. Oh, John, John Ford, you mean John Ford. Yeah. 
Or John Ford. Yeah, yeah. Spoilers, um, by the way. Whatever. <laughs> Jeez. Uh, <laughs> nobody knows who that is nowadays. It's fine. Anyway, so. um, yeah. <laughs> Come on, Cameron. Um, and, uh, like, is it really? Yeah. And, or, or scenes with, um, you know, the, I, I think, like, the, the dance scene or the prom dance scene with the movie and stuff like that had a little bit more of a, a verbal reaction or the, the scene where he's like editing the film of the camping trip. Right. Um, you're kind of like you mean, leaned into that scene a little bit. When you say verbal reaction, um, you mean you were, you were talking to the movie, like when those things happen? No, 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 no. Like, you know, like, re- like, like I laughed out loud or, mm-hmm. you know, I was kind of like, if I'm, I was sitting watching it with Jules, I'd be like, Oh snap, you know, or like, <laughs> like kind of like lean <laughs> in great. a little bit more, yeah. you know? Um, whereas most movies I am glazed over just attempting <laughs> to get anything out of it. You know, That's you're like those boy scouts. You're those boy scouts who, uh, who are, you know, yelling at the, at the end of the Western movie, you know, that's you. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and the other thing I, I wanted to mention about this film is even though it, it has a longer runtime, this was a movie that, um, I couldn't get away from. I was planning to watch it in two sittings and I, I had to finish it within one, which I was surprised by. I was 30 minutes late hanging out with my brother, but I kept being like, well, there's only an hour left. Well, there's only 20 minutes left, right? Most of the time when I watch a movie, I'm like, how much longer, <laughs> you know? And this sure. movie did not have that experience, which was very inverted wow. from my experience with Tar, which felt endless. Like it felt like <laughs> a movie that would not, like it could, it just did not want to end, um, which I wish it did. So, um, yeah, I, I think maybe the interesting part about talking about this film is not, is it good? Um, because I, I think it is like fairly entertaining and approachable. Although I am going to pull up some negative Google reviews to talk about with this, but I think oh it's more interesting to talk about like what Spielberg is doing in this movie, what he's saying in this movie. And I think that's why I invited, um, Juzo on. Overall, Isaac gives it two thumbs up. Very much approved. Uh, Cameron, what did you think of the movie? Oh, I well, I loved it. Um, I loved it the first time that I saw it, and it actually made me very sad. And we were talking about this the the uh, b- before the show, before you came on, Isaac. Um, it made me very sad because I I kind of long for, and I think Spielberg does too a little bit, but uh, which is kind of what this movie is getting towards. But um, he, I think I think Spielberg sees this era of like you know uh, Americana and uh, film of this of this time and John Ford and you know whatever else. I think he sees that as as kind of like not only his childhood, but but like the soul of some of the things that he does as a filmmaker um, and the reason why he makes films the way he does. Um, the reason why he's so audience focused and so entertainment oriented. Um, and I think I think that that totally shows in this movie. But it, it makes me personally sad as I see some of the last uh, artists uh, from this era, you know, kind of stop making movies or or die or, you know, whatever else, because I have that experience with like some of the 90s directors and um, and a lot of the 70s directors who I feel like have kind of shaped the way that I think about movies uh, in the same way that that people like John Ford shaped 
um, the way that Spielberg thinks about movies. And so it is kind of, it is a weird thing to look and see like that era of, of not just history and, um, you know, there is, there is clearly a love for, you know, he, he has this kind of, um, love for his youth and, and, you know, he's going camping with his family and, you know, there's, there's obviously, um, sad elements to that. Uh, but, but I think it's clear that he, he very much, um, enjoyed the things that he was doing and enjoyed, especially in his younger childhood, you know, enjoyed making movies and was very passionate about, about that experience. Um, and, you know, and even, even towards the end of the movie, you know, it, it's kind of clear that that's, that's what, that's what he was ultimately passionate about and ultimately what makes him most nostalgic. Um, and it gives, I think, I think for me, it gives a lot of insight on Spielberg as a creator, um, not just in his sort of choice of sub- subject matter, in that uh, he loves World War II and he loves this kind of um, classic American style, uh, but also as it, you know, he makes um, he makes blockbusters. He's probably invented the blockbuster. Uh, you could argue, and and he's someone who, no matter what, um, he wants to entertain the audience. Um, he wants to uh, make it. Um, uh, it's weird because you you think of you know when when I say like entertainment in movies, I think of like um, the worst elements of that, like Michael Bay and you know and Transformers <laughs> or whatever, you know, like uh, or Marvel. Could be worse basically. than Michael Bay. Yeah. Well, okay. I mean, maybe. I, I thought ambulance is pretty cool. But, I don't know. <laughs> um, but, uh, but Spielberg, I think, is probably the best at it. Um, and he's the one who is able to to capture the spirit of um, the classic Western, and sort of he's the only one who's who's able to kind of still do it that way. Um, where you're making a, a purely entertainment focused movie, um, and it it's not like a it's not a sequel to a sequel to a sequel, and it's not. I mean, I guess he does do that sometimes, but um, you know, for the most part, he makes movies that are that are really trying to um, wow the audience and pull them in through the screen and make you make you live there, make you live and breathe this. Um, this landscape, um, mm-hmm. and I don't, I don't think anybody else really does that anymore. I think, I think movies are much more utilitarian than that nowadays. Um, mm-hmm. Especially, there's a few the blockbuster. Yeah, I mean, there's there, only like Nolan or you know maybe Jordan Peele's getting there, but there's not many people uh, nowadays who are doing those sort of movies that he made. But I think the other side of of this sort of conversation about him as a as an entertainer and and making movies as we were talking about um with a focus on um audience you know audience first i don't know if i think he cares about what the audience thinks and he certainly is interested in that but i think one of the things that is most um kind of revealed when you watch the fablemans is really what is at the core of every movie he's ever made from the most personal to the most seemingly frivolous, you know, and I think, I think 
there's a tendency, especially people who don't like Spielberg, to sort of discount his movies as, oh, they're well-made, but they're kind of just escapism. Escapism is a word that's used a lot for his films. And I think what you see when you watch this movie is that even in the most frivolous movies he's making, even when it's a you know, a film about, you know, his high school going to the beach or whatever, or, uh, you know, some fun Western. These are, um, or even the the whole thing with the train at the beginning, making that little movie with the train. Um, these, for him, movies are about confronting fears and they're about um, sort of, uh, how, do, how do I explain this? They're about... <sighs> expressing parts of himself that he can't express in any other way, basically. And it's, it's, um, I don't know. It's, it's, it makes me understand that it's not just about this sort of entertainment aspect. It's, it's much deeper than that, I guess. Hmm. Yeah. I, I do think that like from a distance though, this movie is easy to sit through. It's interesting because I read some of the Google reviews and people disagree with me on that. They say it's long. uh, And I think most of that probably comes from just there's a ton of like hate about like autobiography movies from the guy. I don't know. Like it's said a lot of the reviews say that um, this movie is indulgent. But I when I was watching it, I kind of just took it for what it was and sort of just enjoyed the ride. I didn't really have a moment of like absolute disdain towards, um, you know, Spielberg trying to explore some of his childhood in maybe a fun, uplifting way. I mean, to be honest, some of the material in the film around being bullied in high school and uh, a, a broken family going through a divorce and whatnot, like, it's still spun with a very like lighthearted dreamy take, um, which maybe isn't the most realistic. Um, but I still thought it was done in a way that, um, had you invested emotionally, but still kind of enjoying like the ride of it. So I don't know if I, um, and and I do want to get like further into like the deeper meanings that he's digging at. And I really um, appreciate kind of your synopsis of it. Juzo talking about like what he, like how consistent he is in what he's exploring throughout all of his, uh, all of his films, all the way up into this culminating. Um, but I just, I wanted that to be said clearly because I didn't expect to kind of just enjoy the, like the basic ride of this film in and of itself. And then on the flip side, right, like that deeper meaning that you're getting at, like we've explored some of these great film directors and what they've done over the years and then begin to visit like their their later movies. I think we did it with Scorsese um, and The Irishman. I think what's so powerful about analyzing that movie is considering where or what Scorsese has made, um, which is definitely not a casual thing to do when you're watching a film, but I think it brings about much more meaning when you're like, wow, this guy is kind of, you know, towards the last half of his life in some regard, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and where are you sitting at as a creator and in reflection? 
and when I when you kind of experience that journey with Spielberg in this film, it does feel like strangely like kind of like a happy old man being like, wow, you know, um, I'm looking back on this stuff and and here's what I really want to say about it, right? Like um, the scene with the old uncle that shows up at the door and like the kind of the the horror that is drawn by his character and the delivery of what he wants to say is so like cut deep. It's almost, it's, I think maybe some people might think it's too on the nose, but when's, you know, when's the last time one of the greatest creators in the world said something so directly to your face, you know? Um, And I don't, I don't know if I've ever seen anything like that in a movie. And what's sad is that in some of the reviews, people are like, Oh, you know, it's of course self-indulgent. He's saying things like, like it doesn't mean anything. And I was like, I've never seen like somebody like yell at the faces of people being like, guys, like, like this is what I this is where I'm at. You know, this is like my mm. last these these might be my last words. And I'm gonna I'm not gonna be subtle about it, you know. Um, as a matter of fact, I'm gonna actually show you my own personal life and facing that truth, like in in almost um like borderline like uh, it is in an unrealistic delivery right um it is in in this dramatized form but it's it's so direct um and so i think one of the the first things not the only thing that this movie is saying but one of the first things that i think is really apparent is that um like after like kind of sitting on the movie is that that interaction with his un- uncle and talking about being a creative and the isolation that comes with being a creative and pursuing something wholeheartedly um, and how it tears you away from his, or it tears you away. It's like creativity or art and family, right? And how there's always that pull. Um, and I think it's difficult to make that statement without it sounding condescending too. I don't think people might, I don't know if they've considered that. Um, Cause hearing it from him, I feel like I've, heard so many successful people say well you just got to sacrifice you just got to do all this stuff but the whole first half of the movie is kind of showing like how important and beautiful like the sides of his family are so it's not really like devaluing family it's not really saying that it's something that shouldn't be sacrificed for um but in that interaction with his uncle his uncle's like I can tell you love your family, but you just might love the art a little bit more, right? Mm-hmm. Um, there's something about it that's pulling you pulling you that way. And it's like he's been cursed in that scene. Um, mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. he's really freaked out by it, right? Um, and so, I mean, I guess I kind of wanted to open up with that element and that theme of this movie. Uh, if you guys want to add more thoughts to it. Um, well- or touch on maybe just the approachability of, of the movie as well. Yeah, there's there's an interesting two sidedness to that. What what Judd Hirsch, what Uncle Boris, is talking to him about about the um, and really in the in the entire movie, this idea of art and family, um, it'll tear you apart. That's what he says to him um, because the movie is getting at both that filmmaking and art in general is something that is so personal to yourself that the people around you, the people closest to you can't quite understand it. Or, you know, especially in the case of his father, 
don't mm-hmm. understand even kind of what the purpose of, of it is because his father is, you know, as you see, is, I mean, he's a wonderful guy, but a very pragmatic kind of person. And, but what's the other side of that is, is through this art that he, he creates, um, you, he kind of is able to, you come back around to, to connecting with your family in a certain way. And it's like, they, they don't, maybe can't understand it, but through what he makes, like that scene right after that, where he makes the war film, for example, he, he is carrying around this weight of, um, I mean, are we into spoilers now? I, I don't know if. Did we just get into it? Yeah, I think. Uh, yeah, I guess so. <laughs> Forty six minutes, and I think if people get the idea that we like the film, when when he's found out that his his mother is having a, a, maybe not an actual affair, but a, definitely an emotional affair with with the father's friend, um, he can't express those feelings, right? And he's this 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 feeling he has, and of this the the understanding of his parents as these kind of infallible beautiful figures who he looked up to now seeing them as human beings is damaging to him but he can't express it but then he makes the film and he brings that emotion to that scene with the soldier on the field which again it's like if you just saw that film with no context you would just say oh that was an entertaining movie you know and that's what you could say about spielberg's movies that's what i was trying to get at earlier kind of clumsily i'll admit um but at its core, what it's really about is his own, you know, you know, feeling of uh, his inability to fix his family and, and seeing his family falling apart and then taking that feeling and then having it reflected back um, to his mother in that scene where they're, she's watching it. And, and she doesn't know that that's what the film is about, but it's coming back to her nonetheless. And I like that the fu- the film as a whole has this kind of feeling of a structure of um, the dissolution of something and then the the healing of something because there's a sense of him being alienated from his parents in you know as you know I think a lot of people do when you grow up when you get past the point of just looking up at your parents as sort of almost like you know in a, like gods almost and then you're alienated from them but then there's a certain point where you you become you're closer to adulthood you then kind of see them not as above you but as equals and that's why i really love that scene at the end where he he's talking to his mother and they're standing at the breakfast table and it feels like they're two adults talking to each other rather than a kid and an adult you know um so i think there's a lot of that in that in this movie where he's there an idea will be brought to the to the fore sometimes in a very blunt way like with the uncle and there's a lot of lines like that that are thrown out that feel like great pieces of advice like you'd put on your desk in front of you or something like where she says at the end of the movie um you do what your heart uh tells you to because you don't owe anyone your life but even that's a complicated idea because the literally the next scene you see the result of her following her heart and how this has shattered her husband who you know is the perfectly nice person um so he's sort of reckoning with with those contradictions which i think some people i think you know certainly on the google reviews but even some, maybe some of our professional film critics um may have i think some of those things might kind of go unnoticed that, that, that it's a more complex movie than just a movie about um 
an old man, you know, old man Spielberg dispensing some jewels of wisdom. I mean, it's also, you know, Bear is mentioning that the advice that comes from this old guy, th- this uncle Boris is insane. I mean, like the stuff he's, I mean, he's, he's like borderline uh, uh, madman. Um, but th- there's, there's truth to what he's saying as well. Yeah. Well, and I think, I think one of the things that um, this movie does do so well is um, like you're saying in that, uh, the these people are very flawed um i mean i guess his, his parents and and his mom especially is someone who who he has immense love for you can tell but it is someone who he kind of probably it seems like has harbored a little bit of resentment towards um in some ways but also has integrated into his own um life and his own personality and that line of of his sister saying you're the most like mitzi of this family um, is a really interesting one because it's, it's, um, it's kind of, um, well, it's, it's a little bit heartbreaking in that, you know, he, he knows it to be true, but also that character of um, going after what you're passionate about doing, maybe the, the less sensible thing uh, doing the, the more heartfelt things. Sometimes that ruins your life. And sometimes that, makes you the person that you are. Um, and, and there's that, there's that sort of delicate balance. And then on the, on top of that, um, you know, there's that scene at, at the dance after where, you know, after they show his movie where he's talking about how, um, you know, you basically, you made, you turned me into an idol, you know, you, you, um, like you put me on such a pedestal that I'll never be able to, um, to to live up to and the complexity of that in in showing someone as a um as a perfect person uh and sort of sort of elevating them to that status um beyond what is what is actually reasonable for for a person to actually achieve and this the contradiction of being being shown to that to that great height um versus being shown as as an actual human being and being shown as as sort of the full person that you are um and there is kind of something interesting in in how it's it's talking about mitzi who's not you know that's not the name of his mother but you know basically talking about his mother in this way that if he showed her so um you know perfectly and without any flaws and without the the sort of inconsistencies that she really had um it would be a much more uh you know it it would probably be a worse insult to her than it would be Hmm. if it was you know shown in the in the real way that you know that he's sort of integrated and then at the same time you know with with himself um also being that person who is flawed and um has that sort of drive to do something maybe stupid and you know throw away his 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 life for you know for for his passion which is another kind of interesting wrinkle in those um you know the the way that he portrays those characters yeah i think um this movie does have a lot of like it's got like the wisdom nuggets and then it like plays devil's advocate with those thoughts 
in it, which I think is, um, I think I think it adds more like rewatch value to this movie, or it lets you kind of consider it because even in this conversation, it's really fun to sit here and be like, oh, I could even interpret, you know, the ideas around the 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 video of the camping trip with his mother, um, not showing any of the issues, and the same way that that's applied to you know the beach video with his adversary um, in in mm-hmm. high school, right? Uh, and how you can kind of connect those things um, on screen. I just, I really do feel like there's an energy with this film that's like kind of a reflective old guy that is kind of laying out most of his ideas just in front of you uh, and and his personal reflections. I saw, um, I bring them to Google reviews because I think they're funny most of the time. Like, who are these people? Why they spend so much time writing them? Um, Some people wrote in their reviews that it's like Spielberg uh, wrote this movie with his therapist, Um, (laughs) (laughs) which I can can kind of like, yeah. And these are, that's a negative review, but I'm like, I I kind of get that vibe from it. I mean, he said that. I've heard him in interviews say that. That it was it was four forty yeah. million dollars worth of therapy, basically. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't really like. Yeah, I guess if that's not interesting to you, but I want to. Um, I don't want to cut off the conversation, but I did want to read uh, this review that I didn't deem complete insanity, um, because some of them are just, to be frank, just bad. I think <laughs> I think some of them are bad, but this brings up a few points that I think are good. Um, a good talking point for criticism against this movie. Um, so I'll just read it. This is from Asad Raza on Google. Two stars out of five. Uh, he said, There's no doubt that he is one of the greatest filmmakers of all time. Just look at his filmography. Jaws, E.T., The Color Purple, Jurassic Park, uh, Amstad, Saving Private Ryan, Munich. Amistad. Or is that... Yeah, Amistad. I can't say all these. Lincoln. Not, I wouldn't count that as one of his highlights, but <laughs> go on. <laughs> uh, uh, and Lincoln, uh, or Lincoln and other, or several other very well-made films. I wish that the film, The Fablemans, would have gone into more detail about he, how he made those movies. That would have been very interesting. But showing the beginnings in a Jewish family that moved around the United States... Um, shed some light on the dysfunctionality of his family, his experiences with anti-Semitism and the development of his ambition towards making short films with primitive cameras. Michelle Williams and Paul Dano, uh, Paul Dano have strong roles. Seth Rogen, who can't act with beans, uh, oh. plays oh. <laughs> with the role of William's friend and eventual love interest. Judd Hirsch has been nominated for an Academy Award for Best Surprising Actor of his role in this film. This is a joke <laughs> considering he's in the film for <laughs> the amount of Does five minutes. Does it really minutes, say Best Surprising Actor? Uh, or, uh, no, Supporting. Supporting Actor. Oh, okay. That's pretty um, funny, the idea. The best Surprising yeah. <laughs> Actor. So I'd give it to another guy in this movie, but go ahead. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is a joke considering uh, he is in the film for, uh, for the amount of five minutes during which he does um, nothing Oscar-worthy. But with Steven Spielberg directing this movie about himself, I guess anything is possible. Overall, disappointing. But better than all the other garbage that's nominated in 2023. 
<laughs> Elvis, everything, everywhere, all at once. Uh, Casway, all quiet. Uh, and he goes on and on and on. It has truly been the worst year in the Academy wow. World history. Um, well, okay. So, I mean, I don't really th- agree with that either. I, I, five of those movies I think are great, but, but that's still very funny. Few things I wanted to pick out from this because yeah. they seem to be coming up across the reviews. Um, number one is there's obviously a side of Steven Spielberg that um, people do want to see about some of his great his his greater movies, and it's weird that there's like kind of a disdain towards him making this movie about himself and then showing things that maybe the movie fans of him like couldn't really feel like it was like the material that they didn't necessarily want to see him. So it seemed like more self-indulgent or something to some viewers. That's Mm -hmm, kind of the, 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 the idea that I was getting that drew some of the negativity. The other thing that I, I noticed across most of these reviews is there's been a bone to pick with some of the acting in this film. Um, Mm -hmm. A lot of people did not like some of the performances. They didn't feel like, um, they were incredible acting performances. They thought they were either like a bunch of old movies spoken in a weird way or um, that they were very like characters staring glazed over and that didn't mean much. Um, okay. So bone to, bone to pick with the acting. I don't necessarily agree with that. Uh, and then, of course, the larger uh, Academy Award conversation. So let's just start with what this movie could have dove into for a Spielberg biopic. Well, well, I was just curious. Okay, there's like four different topics I wanted to go into based on this. <laughs> All right. Because okay. he's like, I he's mean, gyrating like, around right now. He's <laughs> no, my mind is like racing right now. And I've already yeah. forgotten like the first thing I want. I mean, just the whole idea of, I mean, I mean with the acting thing, I mean, I'm pretty happy to just wipe off the table because I think that's ridiculous. I mean, definitely Seth Rogen. I mean, I think people just are inclined to diss Seth Rogen because <laughs> they have this association with him. But if, I th- if you don't think Seth Rogen is a good actor, you're, you you got to have your brain examined. Uh, Michelle Williams, I get Michelle Williams, the critique, a little bit of her because it's a w- unusual performance. It's a very big performance and she's playing a person who is kind of... I don't want to say annoying, but a person who is definitely an eccentric and the type of person who, if you knew her in real life, might be a little bit overbearing. Um, but I think that's intentional. I think it's right for who she's playing and also the way she she clashes with the father, who's who's a very, very withdrawn performance by Dano. Um, the aspect of artistic indulgence was the other thing I, I wanted to get into because that's just something I feel like I've seen a, there are a lot there were a lot of autobiographical films last year I mean this is one of like five, there's like Armageddon Time Apollo 10 and a half Bardo um, a number of different movies and then in recent years you know like Roma and I think people are just have it in their guard goes up with those sort of things because there's a there's a tendency to <laughs> Like I, I understand, I like Isaac. How you feel about the idea of wanting to be um, cared for as an audience member by the filmmaker or by mm. the artist, but I, I have a little bit of reticence to put that as the highest, most important thing because I think what the result of that Spielberg happens to be a person who 
is able to both do that and make great art that is both entertaining and thought provoking and all these different things. But he's an exception in that case. And I think in a lot of cases, and this go, even this goes kind of back to what I was saying about documentaries, frankly, this tendency to want to expect from movies that they are made for us and for our enter just for our entertainment, I think is kind of, um, to some movies, that's true, like especially Top Gun Maverick or something like that. But I think that closes the door on a lot of um, interesting movies you see that are that are made um, just as as personal statements and that are sometimes kind of idiosyncratic and alienating. And and I think Tar is a good example of that because that's a movie that's you know very personal, very kind of odd movie by this you know strange reclusive director. Uh, or I know reclusive, but he hadn't made a movie in many years. And, um, but you know, it's a fascinating movie and I, I wasn't as thrilled and entertained by it as I was maybe by the Fablemans or by Nope, but it's, it, it was an interesting thing to wrap your head around. Um, so I think, I don't know. And, and this has also came up in mixed review. A lot of the Fablemans of just like, this is his Spielberg's love letter to himself. This is this kind of, uh, almost like masturbatory sort of thing. And, um, I don't know. I think any movie you're, you're going to put that target on your back. If you're making it about yourself, it, it can't, it can't be helped. People are just going to feel that way and they're going to go into it with their, like compare that to the way people go into, that World War One movie that came out recently, All Quiet on the Western Front. People go into that with a completely more open mind because they're going into it saying, this is important. This is history. This is something that is a story worth telling. The story of World War One is much more historically important than the story of, you know, some director and his parents' marriage. But doesn't make it a more interesting film. But the but the if you I bet a lot of those same reviewers probably would regard it uh with much more charity i think um i have other things i want to get to but i don't want to like steamroll the you guys uh well i I, I do think um man i, I also have to kind of put away some of the self-indulgent um there there is this uh, it's it's hard because there are obviously uh, directors who are uh self-indulgent um, and, you know, I think I think that can be pretty annoying um, w when that co come up comes up. But I think I think this movie is much more of a an exploration of Spielberg's own experience, um, and and kind of his parents are almost more the 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 main characters for for most for you know the first half of the movie especially. Um, and then you know it shifts on his his own understanding of of sort of the the drama around his parents and and kind of you know his his life in that way, um, but I mean, I guess by definition it's self indulgent in that he's exploring his own childhood and his own sort of um, memories and and his own passion, but. I guess I guess what's uh, the problem with self-indulgence in um in a movie or in a book or you know in whatever else um is that it's alienating um and I think this movie does the exact opposite I think it I think it draws people in 
through the mm. not I mean not just the the riveting storytelling of it, but I think the subject material is um true in some in some ways to everybody in that everybody is is sort of can be as passionate about something um as a young child and has this sort of sense of of exploration and um this sense of of imagination and Spielberg obviously has followed that through to his to his whole life but but I think every every kid feels that way of being so excited about making something and and creating this this you know imaginative world and that's why we all enjoy movies you know that's that's the reason um and and so I think I think there's something like it's a problem in a movie that's too self-indulgent that it it just it it makes you annoyed it pushes you away it makes you not want to to engage with the with the subject matter because you're like well i don't care like this isn't this isn't interesting to me um it's just about your your weird messed up childhood um but mm-hmm. with this movie it's it is engaging because it it is kind of about everybody as as also about <laughs> uh, being about spielberg mm-hmm. i think the whole the aspect yeah. Oh, go ahead, Isaac. Yeah, I just, I don't know. Like, I didn't, because I, I read through a bunch of, of these reviews, and I kind of, like, I want to also say that there are a lot of positive reviews. I know I only, I'm only picking out the negative aspects because I think that just counters with our opinion. But um, I agree with you, Cameron, when you're saying, like, it. it feels, it doesn't, it didn't feel alienating to me. Um, and... I was kind of surprised by that. We were talking last week about how much I hate Hollywood movies about Hollywood. And oh, the yeah. reason I wanted to bring up that 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 last review um, was because he was talking about how he wanted to hear more about the movies that were made in Hollywood. And what I thought was kind of, um, even if it was simple or more old school, um, leaning into that coming-of-age story allowed Spielberg to tell his own personal upbringing. It's like, no one else is going to tell that story. You know, like that's the other thing is, is I was thinking about like, if you wanted to make a movie about Spielberg, right? Like I think, I think about all the different um, biopics and stories that have been told about like Steve jobs. Right. And how those movies don't do anything about like his childhood or, you know, where he came from too much. Right. Hmm. Um, mm. although I know, I know the one with, uh, Ashton Kutcher k- tries to get into that, but people don't really remember that movie too much. Um, and see it. yeah, exactly. Um, those experiences in his career, there will be people around him that w- would have been taking note. And if they wanted to make that movie in the future, they'd do it. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think people, no, nobody's left to tell the story that he tells in this movie. And to be honest, I don't think there's any critique that could have made him care whether or not to tell this story because he kind of made it for himself. You know, he was like, mm-hmm. I'm just going to put this out there. And you know what's he- funny about this movie is I'm I'm kind of positive that in, you know, in 10 years, it will be seen as pretty good. But when Steven Spielberg dies, people will love this movie. 
And that's just stupid to me, you know, like they hate on it now, but when he's gone, they're gonna be like, wow, just really got in inside his brain. <laughs> I really got to know his upbringing. And I'm like, you guys didn't like it when it came out. You know, mm-hmm. you thought it was self-indulgent then, but we all know it's true. You know, we're going to see uh, that analysis of um, at Steven Spielberg's funeral and i just watched the fableman to remember how much i love this guy even though i never talked to him and knew anything about him or didn't know anything about his upbringing but now i do know it right um and there's just so many voices that want to will want to jump on that train of you know i knew spielberg because i watched his movie but at least he left that for you guys right like <laughs> I, mean, I, I think not, there's I'm also saying he, he needs any kind of defense i'm just like i don't know i'm like this movie wouldn't have been made um he got successful enough and lucky enough to do it right yeah i think there's also just an aspect of there's a little bit of suspicion about just because it's also part of like awards race people kind of have their hackles up a little bit in a way they won't 10 mm-hmm. years from now when hopefully spielberg will not be dead but like people will not <laughs> right right a lot, i noticed this with a lot of the movies where it comes out people are enraged you know like django unchained even la la land or whatever people are like Oh my God, this movie's so overrated. And then it kind of just like fades away in from 10 years. And then 10 years later, you're just like, hey, that was a really good movie, you know? And then it, right. it becomes kind of uncomplicated um, and not, uh, not burdened by is this movie stepping on the toes of another movie in the Oscar race? I mean, the whole thing is just, is so, so kind of ridiculous. And, and yeah, the whole idea of wanting to see a movie about Spielberg. Uh, making Jaws or Spielberg making Schindler's List. I mean, well, first of all, there are documentaries about all of those. Um, but also it's like, I don't know, that that would just be like the Bohemian Rhapsody, you know, Rocket Man version of uh, his story. I mean, that's those sort of biopics are so uninteresting and so kind of um, unrevealing about their subjects. They're basically like um, illustrated Wikipedia pages. And... Um, so rarely get into, you know, what, you know, what is at the heart of this person? I think the Fableman's, yeah, is far more interesting. Though I will say, having said all that, when I went into the Fableman's, I really was genuinely expecting there to be a lot more uh, references to other Spielberg movies. And I was a little bit, not disappointed, but I, I kind of what, I thought there would be a little bit more than just kids on bikes. And like, you know, I thought he was going to be like, it's like he, he's at the beach, he sees a shark. There's like a part where he gets in the fridge and, you know, you're, it's a little homage to Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. And uh, mm. it was, it was not, uh, it was not that kind of, that kind of wink, wink movie. Um, and I think it was, honestly, he's kind of, um, I, I I think the aspect of 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 self indulgence or or of even just like telling the story is something that I mean he's wait he's never made an autobiographical movie he's he's waited till he's seventy six to make it and I think it probably was it partly was just something of his co writer Tony Kushner encouraging him like these are interesting stories and these are not just interesting to you they'd be interesting to other people and then finally I think during COVID they kind of you know with nothing to do finally sat down over zoom and um hammered this thing out um so it's it's definitely he's 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 he's, it's not like this is coming from someone who's who's made these like um you know constantly made sort of these personal movies um like that yeah no definitely cameron um 
did you like I just I kind of wanted to like go back to the references of Spielberg movies I like as a normal audience viewer like I thought there were plenty of references to Spielberg movies and in my mind when I was watching it I was like oh look the desert like um I don't even know. I didn't even know. Oh, Last Crusade. A little bit of Last Crusade and the Boy Scouts. Yeah, Last Crusade. Last Crusade, Boy Scouts, the bikes like E.T., the hand reaching up, right? Um, I felt like there was plenty in there to be kind of excited about, even though I don't feel like I knew too much about. Like, I couldn't couldn't name you his movies. Like, like, I feel like everyone could name five Spielberg movies, but if you asked me to do ten, I'd probably get close to, like, eight or nine and be like, uh, you know. Um, I think you could do it. So, but, no, I, I thought, yes, true, Private Ryan also with the with the war film. Um, well, I just was expecting yeah, more no. to be, like, filling out a bingo card of, like, every, you know, like, checking off the BFG in the post and, you know, through the movie. Sure. But I, wasn't, I was not really looking for that it's kind of interesting that you guys are saying this because i i think that would have been more distracting than um (laughs) than anything but but for me i mean i'm i'm kind of glad that there were no like over like et references or anything you know like like i mean uh, maybe subtle ones i guess maybe but like i'm i'm happy that he left it at at kind of um his his early you know recreations of his early movies and in fact I I hope he does this. I I doubt I doubt it's going to happen. But I hope he does like a remaster of his old movies. Not not as in like yeah. making them again, but I hope he puts them out somewhere like on YouTube or something. Like yeah. wouldn't that be awesome? I really I, I wanted to watch him at the end of the credits. Oh, that would have like, been I didn't so know good. Why they were there. I was like, oh. why? Are, why is this missing? <sighs> that was what I was excited to that's see. That's yeah, film, actually, that's like, such a good. That's point. a good idea. I, Dan, you should have been. You should have told. We got to call. We yeah. got to call Spielberg. I'm telling you guys, <laughs> I think I'd be an all right producer. That's all I'm gonna <laughs> Spielberg. say. Spielberg, you know, change the change the name of the movie. First of all, you know, you got to yeah. redo the whole marketing. Th- that thing. actually it's is clearly not marketing. Now, wow! Now that you mention it, that actually is the perfect ending. The perfect way to end the movie is with with all of the originals of his old uh of his old movie maybe i mean i wonder if he thought about that and well, well here here's the here's that's the secret really good yeah here's the secret there were never originals he never made them. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. He's, been, he's been lying about him the whole time no i mean no they there were original I've and seen he them, yeah. and he said um uh, he said, you know, he had to, you know, he reframed some of them because, you know, he he was it was too poor. Uh, he couldn't resist yeah. making them look a little bit better than they used to, <laughs> which but, you know, fair enough, yeah. I guess. But uh, but but I mean, that's that's kind of what I want is I want like a a version where, or not a version, but I I I want like you know some of some of that to be to be out there because that is interesting. I mean, you know, seeing. It's interesting for me as someone who who loves film and who loves to watch people's first films and you know kind of go through where they where they come from and and into you know where they where they go as as adult you know as fully fledged filmmakers um and so it i mean it would be interesting to just see uh see where see how far he's come in some ways but also um you know this is kind of new footage that nobody has really um, touched or done anything with. And it, it probably has some historic um, value for someone who, 
you know, someone like Spielberg. And just to see where he's, yeah, see where he started. I mean, yeah. he, they don't even touch it on in the movie, but he made a version of Close Encounters when he was 16. That's like a two and a half hour amateur film that he screened at his high school. Or I think his high school band, he wrote the score. His mom transposed it or whatever. Um, I think it made a profit of $1. <laughs> um, and it's yeah, called Firelight. And I don't know where you find this thing or if it even exists. It might be lost, frankly. Mm-hmm. But I would love to see that. It doesn't matter if it sucks. I mean, and I don't know. It's it, it almost seems like he's embarrassed about it. It's like, dude, like <laughs> I don't know what you have to be embarrassed about. Like yeah. it worked out okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I I just think the movie, putting aside even just the um, you know references to his other movies, and and it's it's you're right actually. Those the war film or the uh, ET on the bikes. Those aren't really references. That's just he rode around on bikes as a kid. Um, this movie could have been so much more indulgent and in some ways i would have liked not not as much the references um but just the um all the stuff about making movies i could have watched a three and a half hour version of this movie where it's all like showing the in intricate processes of him like getting together his crew and the technical side of things and all that sort of thing everything i could have been more expansive and i would have been delighted because i like watching movies about kids making movies like just for me personally that's something i enjoy but it, it's funny that Mick was acting like this was so kind of indul- like who cares about this kid's you know home movies because I thought honestly he when I'm when I've watched the film again I'm like he actually everything he does in this movie is pretty it feels kind of casual and it feels kind of uh, plotless or structureless but it's all tied to the same ideas and 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 every film he he every you know home movie he makes every aspect of the movie is connected to what he's talking about and even the thing with you know i mean i don't do we get into the thing about the bully and in the and in the scene in the hallway and the thing at prom because that's just a fascinating um whole just that that whole idea of freaking because that was a real thing that happened this kid freaked out and started like crying um in the hallway because of this film he made and I feel like that's also him sort of getting at the um, this idea of of an escapist movie and how you can you can show something that isn't true and that is in, in its own way that's a fantastical film because he's showing this kid as otherworldly as kind of like as like a Indiana Jones you could almost mm. say but it's not. No one, you know, you can't, taking Indiana Jones as an example, you can't survive, you know, getting thrown in the air in a refrigerator. You know, like these things are not possible. And this kid is seeing this, you know, version of himself that he can't, he can't be. But then it's like, he does become in some ways the sort of superhero when the other kid comes in and he, he, he like jumps in and punches him. And it's sort of, it feels like that's the moment he he's lost the interest in filmmaking and he's lost the love of it because it sort of turned against him. But then he's seeing it's like, it can't take me out of my circumstances, but it can make life better. And it can actually it take this person who was so horrible to him and actually turn him into this ally in this bizarre way. And it's like, wow, movies really do have the power to do that. Well, I love that. Um, I love that scene. And I think that's a, yeah, the, sorry. I love that scene because there's something, there's something very interesting that he says. Is um, I don't know if I did it um, because uh, it was there, or oh. 
or because I wanted to make my film better. Um, and I think that's actually something that, that a good artist like always wrestles with, um, is the, is, you know, making something that is true and makes the film better, um, versus making something that, um, is, you know, kind of, um, uh, ref- reflexive or is, you know, is just showing kind of, sorry, what were you going to say? Well, he's not, no, just that he's not inherently trying to make, he, it's like part of it is in his head. Like, I want, I hope this kid is going to be nice to me, but it's not entirely, he's not even doing it consciously. And, and, and I know what you're, yeah. you're getting at because we're, it's, I think we talked about this after we saw the movie, how there are directors who we talk about sometimes who, like uh, I think of Spike Lee or Clint Eastwood as examples, who sometimes their movies seem almost deeper or more complex than their actual personalities mm-hmm. because it's just they can't, they're, they, they're so gifted at the art form that they can't help but bring a complex and humanistic sort of point of view um, in what they Right, make. right, exactly. Yeah, and and there is there is something kind of uh, interesting about that that play um, in that scene where he's he's kind of he's kind of admitting that sometimes you you do things because they they make they make the movie better and you have to you know and he's he's wrestling with that thought of of well I I mean I I don't know if I'm doing this because I um, saw it and because this is you know the vision that I have. Um, maybe I did want to make you look like a jerk, but, uh, but in reality, this is what's going to make my movie better is to have one person who is kind of this, you know, this awesome, uh, you know, protagonist and one person who's kind of this dweeb and, and, you know, is the loser of the movie. And it's like that, that Mm -hmm. works, you know, in the, in the microcosm that he's talking about, but I think it, it works in some ways, um, with, with some of the other things that, that this movie is, is, you know, some of the other ideas that this movie is talking about. But I do want to say, mm-hmm. I guess, not to move on from that scene, because I, I do think it's it's an interesting one and it has a lot of um, complex ideas, uh, you know, wrapped in this little, little, this tiny little story. Um, and I also love uh, the the moment where, you know, he kind of he almost like winks and nods at the camera where he's like, well, unless I make a movie about it one day, you know, which is which is pretty funny. <laughs> yeah. um, you know, that's the only reference I'll accept. Uh, but um, yeah. but the you know, the I think in the I, I guess just to to kind of move along in the in the plot, I guess um, I I think the the last scene is like probably my favorite final scene of the last, you know, couple of years, but definitely of this year. Wow. It is, I think it's so okay. incredibly, it's funny. It's meaningful. Um, it kind of strikes at something, um, more, I mean, it's a, well, for one, it's a joke, obviously. Uh, but I think the joke is, <laughs> is, like it hits the nail on the head and it I think it just is so brilliantly done and it leaves you with this this sense of of uh <laughs> it's that dual thing of of John Ford being this kind of um crotchety old man 
um, who has a very you know narrow view of of what makes a movie good, which is true in real life, um, versus mm. you know Spielberg's imagination and you know the wind in his sails, so to speak, after you know getting to talk to this to this great artist who, by all means, you great know, and and by by you know by the record that we have of him um, is someone who kind of thought of his job as a job and as something that you do mm-hmm. and um you know and he he talks about no not not uh not movies like real art you know like <laughs> he he thinks about it in mm-hmm. in a very segmented way um but i think i think it that that ending not only is it funny, but it's also very meaningful. And I think it leaves you with this sort of sense of imagination walking out of the, you know, walking out of the experience and walking out of the theater. And I, I just think it's it's spectacularly done. And would it be better mm-hmm. maybe if there was a post-credits uh, where all of his old movies were running? Yes, maybe. But it also was just brilliant as it, as it is. So, um I did want to mention that yeah, before it's, it's we wonderful. start to wrap up. No, that was a that wonderful scene. I yeah. yeah, yeah. I I just I don't know. Like I didn't know too much about the references, but the interaction between the two characters, kind of the stress and the tension of being on the, on that in that universal lot. Um, you know, it's. I don't know. I. I think um, John Ford's character just. Like my grandpa used to love like John Wayne movies and and that like old school thing going on there. Um to see his like presence in the movie. Obviously it, he's acted by um a cameo, right? Yeah, it's but, David Lynch, who um, uh, is your favorite your favorite director, <laughs> Isaac. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I still think he Isaac totally that. captured that that he captured the old school like it just brought it just reminded me of my grandpa. So it was like a, a warm hug at the end, um, oh. where it's like he's like really he's really like mean and to the point. But for, there's something about it where it's like wow, that actually was really nice and meaningful. I don't know why. Like he was able to balance that right. Well, he tells him like uh, like get out of my office, and then then he says thank you, and and that like smile David Lynch has, and he's like my pleasure. It's just like oh. So lovely, yeah. And then and then and the John yeah. Williams music too. Yeah, yeah. I I loved it. What do you want to say about the end scene, Juzo? Oh well, just that. Um, it was that was such an amazing thing to watch because, for me personally, um, I knew that scene in its entirety because I had. I had been following the the movie's production and that David Lynch was cast and some people, even though it was a secret of who he was playing, it was kind of, um, some people found a clip of Spielberg telling that story almost verbatim and, uh, was like, it's gotta be David Lynch has gotta be playing John Ford. There's no way. And even if you look up what John Ford looks like, he actually kind of looks he like does, him. Yeah. And so it was, it was such a cool kind of, um, it's like when you read, or when you see a really good adaptation of a book that you really liked, where it's like you imagined it a certain way and then it comes into the movie and it's like exactly what you wanted. And, um, I don't know. It's, it's, you know, I like to be surprised by movies. I like to have my expectations subverted, but sometimes it's also nice to get exactly what you wanted 
and and I didn't realize it was the end of the movie. I just knew it was going to be somewhere in the movie. So then to be you know two hours and twenty minutes in and going, where's David Lynch? David Lynch hasn't <laughs> shown up. Um, that was that was I just the, seeing that in the theater is so cool. And then I had heard about how great the ending was. And I was expecting something just kind of different or maybe a little bit more. I don't know, more sentimental or more kind of um, like, you know, oh, you're crying your eyes out or something. And then for it to end with just like a joke that's almost out of a Chuck <laughs> Jones, you know, Looney Tune or something was uh, just so wonderfully uh, unexpected. Uh, so, yeah, it's just just absolutely great stuff. Um, also, I love that he had to like digitally alter the camera because he was incapable of like tilting up the camera that clumsily <laughs> he's like i need you to to like do it in post to make it look more clumsy um anyway yeah just wonderful yeah i i feel like that covers pretty much everything that i wanted to say about the film juzo is there anything else you want to talk about with this movie before we wrap up i know we didn't we didn't really touch on um too much of like the family drama because it's not I don't know. Personally, I was like, yeah, it's 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 good, it's compelling, it's entertaining. I didn't think it was the like it's not the point of the movie. I, I found that some of those reviews that I was reading is like, oh wow, like just a normal upbringing that isn't that interesting. It's like, well, that's not really what I I don't know. I found it more as like the entertainment rails and the meaning was like a little bit later in it. But um I don't know. Anything else you want to touch on? Um I just, I mean, there's, there's so many different, you know, great scenes and moments I could, I could highlight, um, in particular the whole, um, I'll, I'll highlight two. One is, one is him discovering the film and that, that sequence where his mother's playing the piano yeah. and he's seeing that was, is just such a beautifully, I mean, such a beautifully edited and directed sequence and, um, and the way he like times those piano cues with each discovery and then he jumps back. Um, I mean, that's, that's, you know, that's why he's the greatest. And, um, and then one other part I just really love is his mother dancing in the, in the headlights in particular, um, seeing her shadow reflected on, on the two men, you know, the two men who are in love with her and, that expression Paul Dano has, which I, I literally, I sent to my dad that and the picture of Ingrid Bergman, um, watching her husband sing La Marseillaise in, um, Casablanca. Cause I, to me, it had that same like power of emotion of this person who's like, this is the, like, this is the, this is the reason this is the person I'm, I'm in love with. And I just, I just think it's, um, just beautiful. Uh, I want to go. That, I want to go on the record. Hated the headlight <laughs> dancing scene. That was so stupid. Oh really? Yeah. I don't know why. I was like, oh gosh, no. Just it, it also feels kind of uncomfortable because they're kind of alluding to um, sort of the emotional affair that's at play fairly clearly with the way that the daughter's like, oh, don't look, don't look, you know. And there's something off-putting, but still like majestic with like the phoenix in flames but it just gave me the cringe i was like i just don't i don't know why is she I mean, dancing why is she dancing to nothing like what is going you know, on i mean here? i mean yeah it is true you there's know, no like, john williams play on that campsite but <laughs> it's i i mean i think that's it's not you're not wrong but it's i but it's but it's 
good. I mean, <laughs> sometimes you describe something like, oh, I didn't like it, but it's like, yeah, I get it, but I think it's, you know... First of all, it's like the sort of thing a person like her would do because she's this sort of eccentric, like free-spirited type of person. And then also, I think it does kind of uh, show you that kind of um, uncomfortable uh, sort of uh, dynamic between her and the husband and the friend and that sort of... um, And also kind of hammers home like the last moment he sees his mother that way as this sort of like like in this like deified way you mm. know um so i i I think it's beautiful i just i mean also i love you know i just like john williams like throwing out some heat you know he's like 90 writing the score it, it's just so awesome i want to mention if we're mentioning um, you know little individual scenes and moments i want to mention there's yeah. there um there's a very powerful scene where they're kind of explaining the divorce and uh, the sisters are all, um, oh, the, the oh, sisters God. are all Thank you. Um, crying and screaming. There's, you know, there's some chaos abounding in this, this family. Um, but there's one little shot where he's looking in the mirror um, and it's him filming the scene, um, you know, in his imagination. And I just think that that little shot, that idea is so, powerful and um it's some it's it's like an expression of something that uh we talked about it juzo after after yeah i think we've maybe both had that where it's it's this expression of of removing yourself from a situation and um and thinking about what it would be like to film this uh this interaction Mm -hmm. and there's something very um uh there's something very deep in that in that idea where it's not um it's not a it's almost like not a fully fledged out thought um in in Spielberg's mind but it's something that he just recognizes about himself or something like it's it's like what would i be thinking like i'm thinking not about what's happening i'm thinking about um how i could frame this how i could um, mm-hmm. block this this scene in my mind um and there is something very um unusual about that but i think it's um i think it's deep inside the people who who kind of have that way of thinking mm. about things um yeah and it's even a little bit of a meta thing of like here he is as a now guy in his 70s telling the story and and staging recreating you know one of the most traumatic events of his childhood um but yeah that's and i i actually noticed when i was watching it again that there's a it goes into close-up of uh, the father like trying to comfort the daughter and it's a different format it's 16 millimeter and then it it goes from that and you realize that's actually the point of view of the camera that he's operating in that mirror reflection um, but that that was that actually I can't believe I forgot to mention that because that that is kind of the moment of the movie that I was most that most resonated with me because I I swear man that that's something that um, I really um, I don't know I I've, I've thought about in in not just not just like really upsetting circumstances where I'm like 
it's not even like imagining shooting something, but just imagining like, oh, this would make a really good movie someday. I remember even saying that, like, you know, like, like my, my friends in the car and people were like crying and upset. I was like, damn, you know, five years from now, I'll look back on this and it'd be a good movie idea. Um, but yeah, it's, 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 uh, and he does it so quick. He yeah. just tosses it off. It's like five seconds, but it, it's, it's such a, such a, a, a sort of a true idea. Um, and yeah, I, if there's I, we we noticed that scene when we were watching it, and Juliana was like, "What is this? A dream sequence or something? What's going on?" Um, and then it was gone, and I was like, "Oh, I think yeah, I think it's like he was imagining filming his own." And then I just stopped it, like we kept watching, you know, <laughs> like it was like it was just weird. It, it's like strangely understood, but not like it also feels like unreachable that idea, you know, um, and relatable. I don't know, I. That scene was was off putting to me. It was it was kind of a scary moment. Like it was like tapping mm-hmm. into something. Uh, <laughs> when mm-hmm. I saw, it, I was like, well, wait a second. Uh, and then uh, it was like because like yeah, you have those thoughts. You've had that that experience, um, and for it to be in there almost as like a, I don't know if you guys know what the term like creepy pasta is or something. You know, like this weird <laughs> like like just this thing that's in something that it's not supposed to it's like breaking the matrix or something for a second uh um, yeah yeah, yeah i think it's sort also of that. it's it taps into the fear of of not um not like living presently in your life like like of right, going through right. your life and thinking you know in a uh, you know in a self-reflective way rather than actually experiencing the emotions that are in front of you um but sometimes it's like you need to do that cuz what's happening is so off-putting or upsetting that you need to kind of your your mind needs to recede in that way into some kind of uh, distance or prism to look at something and in a way i think that's kind of what the whole movie uh really really is about in terms of his relationship with film it's really interesting how much um how many there's so many movies that are made about um filmmaking you know and isaac you you're definitely on the record not being crazy about these movies i i often enjoy movies about movie making because you know i'm interested in movies of course but a lot of them tend to be pretty simple in terms of their relation to what the magic of movies is it's it's a pretty unabashedly romantic you know a kid going to the movies and you know having this wide-eyed wonder um, which you get a little bit of in the beginning of the movie, but even that is kind of mixed with fear. And mm. but I just think that this movie is the, the Fablemans really gets at like so many different ideas about what the power of movies is and how it's not entirely something that's um, necessarily like a, a positive thing. It's like you know, in the camping film, for example, how it can reveal something that you didn't want to mm. see or reveal something deeper you didn't see in real life but then you know you can freeze it and hold on to it and also how you can obfuscate things in movies and you can which which in a way it's it's actually kind of something touched on in nope and babylon uh, other movies this year how you can have this sort of um beautiful vision of movie making but the things in the periphery in the fableman's case this affair that's going on are kind of uh much more uh unseemly and uh yeah, it's like it's 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 a it's a it's unexpectedly complex and not entirely romantic given how much we know Spielberg can be sentimental and can and obviously as a person who loves movies 
it kind of shows his relationship to it is kind of it is romantic and it is affectionate but it's also saying that it's kind of uh um it's there's there's something kind of dark about it and something kind of um not pleasant but necessary i guess and um it's definitely something that i could I, I don't even know if it's something I thought of before I saw this movie, but it's like now I find myself thinking about movies and even about um, even, you know, me making, you know, doing editing or doing any, anything like that, you know, just seeing the way even in the way that he he needs it, not just, to, you know, to express his emotion in the movie, but just as something to do to occupy himself while he's going through this you know like that part where he watches the movie with his sister and he's you know it's not like they're getting this profound experience from from the film itself but it's the act of watching it. it's the act of making it that can take their minds off um the divorce that's going on and kind of um bring them together even if just for a moment and um i just think um there's just there's something beautiful and just very um deeply considered about what he and kushner um did in terms of examining those ideas and in terms of examining what it is to make movies yeah 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 <sighs> what a good what a good picture what a good picture what a picture yeah <laughs> yeah i um I it just in terms of like what what you were talking about, Juzo, the um, darker side. I think one of the things that it does well, and one of the interpretations that I've kind of come around to with this episode, um, with his interaction with the uncle and the um, breaking between family and art, right. Mm-hmm. And how you guys were like, well, the movie kind of contradicts that in a weird way where it's like family fuels the art in some kind of interesting manner, even if it is negative, right? And art can connect you um, to family as well. Right. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I think all of that play played out in a complex way in the movie. Um, but I think this secondary element to his relationship with his family and even outside of his art is this like feeling of isolation uh, in, his, in, in what he's making and what he's doing. And so much of um, his creative process and being unsure about his love for film um, and his success in it, like comes back to this isolation um I think I could have seen more failure and got on board even more with it. Um, But it's interesting how more grounded his approach was, where it was like, it kind of teeters out and there are people around you who say, well, you don't really need to do that too much anymore. And like, he's trying to sell his camera and it's almost like by chance, you know, he ends up getting another one. It's like, it's almost like an inevitable thing. And they keep talking about everything happens for a reason. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just felt like the, uh, the representation of like being isolated and, and the sadness that comes with being a creator, like, I think sadness is a part of 
of romance. And I think that's why this movie maybe has, mm. uh, it gives people like the eye roll where they're like, oh, this movie is indulgent. Well, I think Cameron, you said it better. It's romantic um, mm-hmm. uh, of it in, in its, in its reflection. Um, and I don't think you can have that without kind of exploring uh, the sadness and isolation, not just inside of a divorce, but inside of being sort of enslaved to a creativity in a positive way too. Like it's mm-hmm. kind of um, like it pushes him away and it makes him kind of ugly in some scenes where he um, is upset after showing the film at the, at the senior prom where it was a great success and he mm-hmm. doesn't care. Right. He's upset mm-hmm. right in the hallway um the movie doesn't mean anything even even the even the scene um when he did the like the world war ii film like he is just like destroyed playing that movie and Mm -hmm. the whole room is responding positively he's like i don't care you know like Mm -hmm. Um, um, so it's such a great moment when he misses the uh he leaves the room after the prom film and he misses his girlfriend walking over yeah, to which yeah. I can't even believe I missed like I missed what was going on there the first time I saw it because you're just like oh oh like she she <laughs> she probably would have gotten back together with him because of that movie like that's what it looked like that was about to happen and it's like oh man he just failed to secure the bag <laughs> man just tough break for well, Sammy just uh, just to bolster yeah. that idea of isolation Isaac is um in each of uh maybe not all of the movies, but um, in in almost all of the movies, there's a there's a secret that's either embedded within the movie or that's attached to the making of the movie. Um, you know, with the with a very very first one, the secret is you know don't tell your dad. Uh, you know, this will be our little special movie, and then the um, mm-hmm. the you know the ending one is you know the secret of. Um, you know the the bully you know crying at the end um yeah you know don't don't tell anybody about about the, you know how this made me emotional basically and so uh, you know and then obviously the camping film there's the the secret with with his mother um and so it it's almost as if the the filmmaking and the process of filmmaking is actually kind of driving that some of that isolation uh, along with the you know the actual you know, secretive elements or the personal elements between him and the other characters is, you know, they, they're, they're kind of connected on the surface, but there's this, there's this wedge in between every, with every movie that he's making, it's a wedge, you know, from someone else. Um, and it kind of breaks away in this, in this way. So I think, I think that's right in, in that with, with movies, um, comes a certain isolation, uh, you know, is is kind of what it posits in this in this movie. So I think I think that's an interesting thing to think well, about. It, yeah, and there's also just a a pain of um, like falling in love with with something, and you know, it it being the thing that gives your life meaning, and then having your life and pain brought to you by that very thing that that is giving your life meaning. Um. And that I feel like that's sort of an, uh, just another th- great thread of the movie when you see him sort of lose interest and he, you know he just has the camera under his under his bed and then finally sort of falling back in love and as as I forget what Isaac said about the last the last scene with John Ford but just this feeling of like sort of 
the the wind in your sails, I guess, of like seeing this is this is what he wants to do, uh, is is just great. Um, mm. yeah. Oh, one yeah. other thing I just wanted to say is that um, it's it'd be interesting to see. I think as we're talking about um, what this film reveals about Spielberg, how it also informs when you watch all the rest of his movies. Cause I've only seen a couple of his movies since seeing the Fablemans. And I have to say each one of them is really informed by what you learn mm. about his family and, and where he's coming from as an artist, even something we watched war of the worlds, you know, with Tom Cruise, which is, you know, when I saw it last, I thought of it as just kind of a pretty frivolous movie, but that in a way is kind of like his making the train movie uh, at the, you know, to making something and recreating something to confront a fear in this case, like post nine 11 invasion, essentially um, it makes it a lot more of an interesting experience, not to mention just the whole aspect of the father and the estrangement of father and son. And and, and that's just war of the worlds. I mean, like I, I, I can't uh, wait to see what, you know, how close encounters and, you know, uh, ET and some of these other movies uh, play out, uh, differently and i think more deeply because of it it's kind of a, almost it's like a rosetta stone uh to the rest of his mm. his career um yeah. yeah that's such a good point and and i was talking about that with the with sort of his fascination with world war ii and whatnot but um yeah no to- totally oh, yeah, too, yeah. T- totally unlocks some some things of spielberg's psyche and maybe makes certain movies of his more enjoyable i don't know who knows <laughs> so Certainly, with War of the Worlds, I can. I, I promise this will be the last thing. But I have one more thing to ask you guys, and I hope this isn't insensitive because sometimes when I ask you guys this, I feel like like the white guy who like asks his black friends about the black experience. But I'm, I, I was just curious what you guys thought about the girlfriend character and that whole scene with her in the uh, in her bedroom and that sort of thing. Because I think that's uh, just an aspect of the movie that delights me. But I'm curious. I mean, I've talked to you, Cameron, a little about it. Uh, so I'm curious, Isaac, what you thought of that. Sure, yeah. I mean, I thought it was just kind of comic relief. I didn't really think too seriously about it. Um, if I thought, if I sat there, uh, and Cameron and I have talked about this, we're both Christian, and so, I don't know, to watch a scene like that, it's like, well, I don't know if I've ever met like I've met a Christian person like that, but it's kind of taken to extreme where she, like they say, Oh, she has the hots for Jesus, but she's like literally like into Jesus. It's like, (laughs) all right. Like, you know, I think it's just supposed to be kind of funny, you know, I don't. And, and so it's almost like a uh, caricature of like that, that, um, that like Christian girl, um, in school. And I, I think, um, there's something relatable about it where, I, I trust me. I've liked plenty of Christian girls uh, in high school, so I, you know, there's there's almost like this strange, um, like, like you you can't you're like drawn in by them, but you can't you never feel like you'll ever be close to them. They feel like they're on a different planet in some <laughs> strange way, you know. Um, uh-huh, uh-huh. So I I just kind of felt like it was it was just funny. I didn't think it was overly like. Um, I wasn't. I just didn't really feel like I needed to take that section of this the the movie like super serious in any way, and I don't think it was supposed to be very serious either. Um, yeah, it's definitely but, supposed to be funny, and I and to me, I mean, I do think it's 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 very funny. Um, but I have to say, as I've watched the movie 
um, this movie definitely it 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 rewards multiple views because there's just so much a lot going on, and um, I just found it interesting how as I've watched it, I I still think that scene is funny, but there's an aspect to it that um, I think he gives that character and that girlfriend I think a lot more credence like it could have been a one-dimensional she could have been a one-dimensional sort of just a joke caricature but in a way I feel like it's sort of showing that I don't know I feel like there's almost a connection between the way he's showing her relationship to faith and also and his relationship to film and also the way all the characters in the movie they rely on something to sort of make sense of their lives. And that's really great in that prom scene where um, she, this sort of seems like this goofy character, but she really has this kind of um, sense of maturity. That's a little bit beyond him, honestly. And um, I just, I just feel like there, there's an aspect of the movie that, that he's, he's getting at um, the, these, that, that all people sort of needs it for his father. It's, it's, science for his mother it's music for seth rogan it's his sense of humor but it's all all these people have these different ways of sort of coping with the difficult aspects of life and and for him it's it's uh, filmmaking um so i I like that aspect of it and that it's even the the seemingly silliest part of the movie even has a little bit i think more uh depth and complexity to it than than it could have no i think yeah i think it's pretty funny and i i do there have been people in uh in my life probably in both of our lives who have had the um uh the you know the lots of pictures on the wall and there's kind of this um yeah just an interesting i think it's like a cultural thing it's uh so it is it is kind of funny but um uh you know, not not too. I I haven't thought too deeply about it, other than <laughs> it's just kind of kind of a funny character. If I thought too deeply, it'd be <laughs> blasphemy. That's all I'm gonna say. Yeah, Spielberg, <laughs> you better watch it. <laughs> Spielberg. <laughs> yeah. So no, I mean, I I think um, Juzo, I appreciate you. You know, spending the time giving your perspective. I feel like. Um, just your opening statements about the movie were really like well thought out. I was super impressed by that. I didn't really, I never really say that on air, but um, <laughs> like I, I know it's it's weird to give you give you a compliment on show, but like uh, just your your opening um, feelings about what this film means and some of the deep dive, like uh, it did it do, it makes me want to watch it again. And for the people that hate on this movie, just wait, okay? The Oscars will be over. Spielberg's gonna Aww. die. All right, you'll like it. Trust me. All right, just trust me. You'll you'll come. Hopefully not for it. like you know, thirty more years. But yeah, that's right. That's right. When you're watching the seventy fifth Marvel movie, that's true. That is one hundred percent true. Right. Yeah. 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 We're talking. To you, well, Nick. here's the th- here's what bothers me. This is the last <laughs> thing I want to say. Here's what bothers me. I hate. The people who are like, eh, there are no good movies around. And then they're like, what's the Fablemans? <laughs> you know what I mean? And it's like, <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, like, yeah. oh, you yeah, mean that no, movie that made zero money because you didn't want to go see it because you wanted to watch the, another, the next uh, Ant-Man and the Wasp? Okay? Who even cares about that movie? Go no watch the Fablemans. That. Why would you, you know, why would you ignore yeah. that for, for some terrible Marvel movie? Um, so... 
Yeah, it's tough when they 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 load on all so many movies in the fall. It's just like you get used to not going to movies because I I was just listening to your episode from like June of last year and you're talking about summer movies and you're like, there's nothing. There's Top Gun and there's Jordan yeah. Peele and that's it for like five months. And so it's a lot to ask to people to not go to the movies for five months, have nothing to see. And then in October, November, suddenly have to go roll out to, you know, 15 movies. Um, it's just not a, I don't know. There needs to be some kind of uh, change in the way this kind of distribution happens and um, the way things get people's attention. But hopefully, you know, if anyone's listening to this, you can rent this movie now for $6 and watch it at home. And I highly recommend it. So. Yeah, you know, I just want to. What was it? Six or seven dollars? It was pretty high. It was pretty high, Cameron. It will go. That. It will go down. It's only because it's yeah. New. It just it'll, came it'll, out, Isaac. Okay, you used to have to wait like seven months to watch a movie that had just come out. I think I saw one of the movies we were talking about from 2022, like just available on streaming, and I was like, "Oh, I know that. I'm not gonna watch that. I don't know what. I think it was." Uh, I don't know. I'm not going to remember what movie it was, but it was something we were supposed to watch for 2022 uh, Oscar nomination. So, well, um, who knows? Cameron, well, next week we're going into a different month, uh, but I um, haven't decided. Tim has given me some some good things to think about. So uh, we'll we'll talk about it offline and uh, yeah, we'll go from there. I haven't decided yet. I'll just never ask you. Well, sometimes I know. Sometimes I don't know. From now on, I'm going to just stop about it. (laughs) What's the point, really? (laughs) Well, I guess we're going to do a top 10 at some Um, point soon, right? Because that's... uh, Yeah, but I haven't... Have I watched 10 10 2022 movies? Top 10 for what? Of the year. Okay. You've seen... seen Number number one. (laughs) Nope. That's it. That's all you need to know. Just watch that movie if you haven't seen it. Okay. That's, you don't need to watch anything else. You don't need to watch some movie about lady driving her Porsche, <laughs> trying to write bad music. Hey, Tar. Oh, wait, what was that? What you was need that? To watch that. <laughs> oh, <laughs> to... come on. Tar's great. Get out of here. I, I agree. Get out of here. That rule. How did you not get entertained by Tar, man? That, that movie's so good. <laughs> what do you, do? bro? That movie was like, that was like way too long. That was like Kate Blanchett going around being an asshole. Like, how much better could that get, man? It's so good. (laughs) I don't. You just described a movie that I would never (laughs) sign up to watch. I I don't know what to say. Like, like how can I get much better than that? Uh, Like almost any other movie I'd rather watch than that. You know, like I don't know. Sex (laughs) test. I mean, this is yeah. This is it's just a wonderful experience. Keep selling it. I'm glad you're not in marketing, Juzo. Yeah, <laughs> no, I'd, be, I'd be great at that. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, you know, we gave you a little bit of a longer one. That's what we were planning on. If you haven't seen the Fablemans, let's not let it be an absolute failure. Uh, we could come on. We can no. break it even, right? Cameron's gonna rent it again <laughs> tonight. I don't think so. It's not gonna happen. But yeah. <laughs> you know, maybe. It's coming back to, to theaters this, you know, this Universal, weekend, I think. So, you know, maybe. Yeah, you know, Universal's like, all right, we'll make the money when, you know, <laughs> kicks the bucket. That's what they're thinking. They're like, don't worry. <laughs> We're going to, uh, when he's 
We're gonna make the you gotta money. Stop back. saying this. I, I mean, I'm not even that superstitious, but you're making me nervous. I, <laughs> I mean, I have good faith in Spielberg's longevity. Like his parents lived to be like 97 and 103, but gee, why would you know that? Why would you even know that, Juzo? Well, I just I <laughs> saw the documentary. I was fan. I don't know. I just certain things I know. Actually, you know something? There was one time where I looked up the how old the parents of all my favorite directors were because I was like, what are their odds here? And I was like going through like Clint's mother lived to be 97 i think also i was like oh god all right that's good that's good (laughs) brings me some comfort (laughs) okay well on that note uh we we try to post on every tuesday uh if i can edit the episode on monday night but now it's late so we'll see um yeah we (laughs) put we post on uh tuesday thank you guys for listening thank you to get to the end juzo thanks for joining us and we will see you next week cinema spectator is an ecfs productions podcast that is fully funded on patreon.com shout out to our producers darren o'neill for supporting the show and to the rest of you that support us at patreon.com slash ecfs productions if you want to learn more about the benefits you can get Check out our Patreon. The show cannot happen without you great listeners, so we thank you for all your kindness and support.